0: Before I start my message, I uh, want y'all look to the screens. Just fight a little longer, my friend. It's all worth it in the
1: end. But when you got nobody to turn to, just hold on and I'll find you. I'll find you. I'll find you. Just hold on and I'll find you.
2: I'm hanging on by your thread. And all I'm clinging to is prayers And every breath is like a battle I feel like I ain't come prepared And death's knocking on the front door Pain's creeping through the back Fear's crawling through the windows Waiting for him to attack They say don't get bitter, get better I'm working on switching them letters But tell God I'ma need a whole lot of hope Keeping it together I'm smiling in everyone's face I'm crying whenever they lead a the room. They don't know the battle I face they don't understand what I'm going through. The world trying to play with my soul. I'm just trying to find where to go. I'm trying to remember the way. I'm trying to get back to my home. But I can't do this on my own. That's why I'm just trusting in you. Cause I don't know where else to go. And I don't know what else to do. Just fight a little longer,
1: my friend. It's all worth it in the end. But when you got nobody to turn to. Hold on and I'll find you. Just fight a little longer, my friend. It's all worth it in the end. But when you got nobody to turn to, just hold on and I'll find you. I'll find you. I'll find you. you. Just hold on and I'll I'll find you. I'll
2: find you. I'll find you. Just hold on. They say fear haunts you, and pain hates. I say pain strengthens, and fear drives faith. And I don't know all of the outcomes, don't know what happens tomorrow. But when that ocean of doubt comes, don't let me drown in my sorrow. And don't let me stay at the bottom. I feel like this hole is too deep to climb. I've been looking for a way out, but I settled for a peace of mind. Picking up the pieces of my life and hoping that I put together something right. Tell me all I got is all I need. Tell me you gon' help me stay and fight The world tryna play with my soul I'm just tryna find where to go I'm tryna remember the way I'm tryna get back to my home But I can't do this on my own That's why I'm just trusting in you Cause I don't know where else to go And I don't know what else to do. No,
1: don't let the fear make you feel all worth it in the end but when you got nobody to turn to just hold on and I'll find you
0: That has been my song (laughs) the last couple of weeks when I heard it. Just fight a little longer, my friend. It's all worth it in the end. And when you have nobody else to turn to. I love that song. It's been such, I feel like it's been ministering to me. And I've uh, felt a lot of just peace in that song. Just to fight a little bit longer. So my husband's been gone for the last, I don't know, four days. So our house has been a little bit lonely, but my in-laws, uh, they live with me, my brother and sister-in-law, so it hasn't been too lonely. Um, and I have actually enjoyed sleeping in the middle of the bed. <clears throat> uh, but somehow last night, Gibby, my dog, ended up, I was on the very corner and Gibby was taking up most of the bed. So I guess that, uh, that's how it works, right? <laughs> you give a little bit of room, they take a mile, right? So this morning, I want to um, ask you a question. We've all asked ourselves this question at some point or another. And the question is, how can I change my life? Raise your hand if you've ever asked yourself that question. I've asked myself that question a lot of times. So everybody in this room um, can think of something that they need uh, to change in their life, whether it's an anger problem or a bad attitude, or a situation with a relationship, or maybe a family thing, or even appearance-wise, we all have something that we want to change. Or maybe it's an issue or an awful character trait that somebody in your family line passed down to you, and you've tried to change it, um, and you're unsuccessful, and you're like, okay, how do I change it? Maybe you've tried, like, a hundred times, and you're still very unsuccessful, or maybe God has asked you to do something, and that thing seems too hard, and so now it's standing between you and God. Yeah. So everybody deals with this at some, uh, at some level. So that's why when you go into a bookstore, you have a whole section of self-help Uh, You have self-help books. You have, and it always seems like their face, the author's face is like on the cover, right? Um, So obviously they got it. Um, Or like their self-help videos or motivational speakers that will come to your work. And they all understand this concept that making a change in your life is one of the hardest things to do. And that's why I titled uh, my message this morning, The Struggle is Real. It really is. So the question I'm asking today is not only how do I change my life, but I want to dig a little deeper into the question of how do you respond when crisis and adversity come into your life? First Samuel 16:7 says, but the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees; for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, and the inside. So we simply can't change. When we look at the scripture, we can't change because we're focusing on the wrong form of change. See, in the scripture, it says that God does not look at the outside, but he looks at the inside. So nine out of ten times when we look at the outside, we go, oh, I wish that I could control my anger or wish that I could control my temper or I wish that I could change the way that I look. But maybe we're asking the wrong type of question. What if we asked this type of question? God, what would you want to change about me? And Do you think he would ask, you know, oh, I think, uh, I wish your hair color was this, or I wish that you were a little bit taller, Brianna, and I, I wish that your foot size was just a little bit smaller. Right, women? We always want a smaller size than we, want, than we have. And so we're always asking these questions, but here's the thing. God created us unique. Psalms 139, 14, that I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so God doesn't, he doesn't look at the outside because he created you, but he looks at the inside and our heart condition. So a lot of the time we spin our wheels trying to change because we don't understand this concept. And some other people in the Bible did not understand this concept as well. Matthew 23:26 says, blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of, they, of them may be clean also. So Jesus wasn't telling them how to clean their dishes. It was not a home ec class. When I looked at the scripture, I thought he was more of d- dishing out disses. So that's how I took it. You can laugh at that. I'll, I'll, you can laugh at that. That's okay. But they were focused on the outside, making sure that everything was perfect, when they really should have been looking at the inside of their heart condition. Like I said, a lot of the time we spin our wheels, we're trying to make the outside look perfect. And with a little bit of money, you can make that look perfect because the outside is actually a lot easier to change than the inside. We can cover up the outside, but here's the thing, we cannot cover up the inside. We all struggle with one thing, or another and everybody has a different struggle. So this morning I want to ask you what is your struggle? What is your crisis? What is something that you're just totally sick with and you just want it to go away? Think about that thing. I have several in my head. I want to ask you this. Do you think did you ever think that God actually might be behind that problem? A lot of us don't want to think that way. We don't want to think or say that God is behind a problem. Why would God do that? Why would God torture us? Why would he wrestle with us? Isn't it just God's job to encourage us, to pat us on the back, tell us that we're doing a good job, to be a good father? But a good father doesn't always do that. He is a good coach, but he also pushes you to be all that you can be. And the reason that God brings crisis, now not all crisis is God, but the reason that God brings crisis into our life is because sometimes we're not paying attention. Right. All right. So often we're not paying attention in life, and it takes a problem or a disaster or a crisis or a struggle yeah. for us to get our attention. I've done that so many times where it's like there's something in my life, and I start crying out to God. But then when I'm good and when I'm on the mountaintop, I'm not crying out. We do this too. So a lot of times that we're not paying attention. So sometimes God brings crisis into our life, not because he wants to torture us, but because he wants to get our attention. But there are differences that we respond to the different crisis in our our life. So I want to show three different people that um, struggled with crisis um, in their life. So turn with me to John chapter 5. I preached this, uh, a little bit of this message at the Purpose Conference, so some of you are going to hear it for the second time, but that's okay. It will get more into your spirit, right? So verse one, says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five um, covered colonnades, which five means grace. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the cynical, the addicted, the bitter, the prideful. One who was there had been there, an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and he had learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he said, oh, there's no use for him or that's just Bob. Bob's never going to change. He's always been like that. He's never going to change. I can't use him. But here's the thing. So many times we, we come to church and we feel like we have to hide the unpresentable parts in our life when God is wanting us to bring those out. So Jesus walks up to this man and he asks this profoundly simple question. He says, do you want to be made well? Not do you want to feel better, but do you want to be made well? see, there are things in my life that I want to see changed, but most of us like the idea of God changing our circumstances more than the idea of God changing us. I'm going to say that again. There are things in my life that I want to see changed, but most of us like the idea of God changing our circumstances more than the idea of God changing us. Verse 7, he, um, so the man ended up not saying yes, but this is what he said, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool and when the, when the water is stirred and when I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. Here's the thing that, that caught me so by surprise that the man just didn't say yes. Yes, I want to be made well. But here's the thing, he started to blame other people for his problems. Oh, it's not my fault that, that um, I can't get to the pool. It's, it's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault because nobody's helping me. I can't get there. So I feel like he had this kind of like whiny attitude when he's like talking. Here's the thing, the healing, the water came to him and he couldn't even see it. This is the number one excuse for our problems in society today, that it's somebody else's fault that we're in the situation that we are. And we do this too. We say, oh, I believe that God can heal marriages, but he just can't heal mine. Right? Or I've been raised this way, and so I'm never going to change, but I believe that other people can change. Or how about this? I believe in tithing, but it just doesn't work for me. So we have to stop making excuses for why it doesn't work for us because everybody in this room has a condition. We all have a condition, an excuse of why we don't say yes to change. We love the idea of change but we do not like putting action and effort into the change. Pastor Robert Morris told this story of a pastor friend um, that he had, and there was this man that came up for prayer every time that the altars were open. And this man was in a wheelchair, and it wasn't paralysis. It was a weakness. And so he came up for prayer every time and, and asked for healing. And so the pastor started to catch on to this, and he remembered this story of the pool of Bethesda. And so he asked this man, he said, do you want to be made well? And the man paused and he looked at him and he said, no, because, because if I do, I have to get a job. <laughs> so the pastor said, not in a harsh way, not in a harsh way, he said, don't come up for prayer anymore. Don't come up for prayer until you're willing to change. And so I think that the pool represented a place to be comfortable, a place to be around other people that had the same dysfunction and weaknesses and struggles. See, so here's the thing, that we can come to church and never change. We can come to church and never get well. His affliction, this man that had been there for 38 years, his affliction had brought him attention. And his self-pity ended up becoming a sin. And the question is, did he really want to be healed? Don't you think that if he had been there for 38 years, that he would try to move an inch a year? Don't you think? I think Joyce Meyer said that. I would try to, whatever, move an inch a year, and maybe by then I'd actually get to the edge of the pool. But here's, when I, when I thought about the story, I, don't want, I didn't want to totally be down on him. I said, I wonder, God, I wonder if he did try. I wonder if he really did try to do that. Maybe he just became discouraged, and that's why he stopped trying. And that his excuses became a way of life. But then on the other hand, I also asked the question, what did he miss out on? What was his destiny? What was his calling? What was his purpose? For 38 years, he was there. He was still alive. Somebody was bringing him food and water. But his excuses became a way of life. I think Jesus was asking this question. Do you want to be made well? Not for the physical healing. Like, like the scripture says, he's not looking for the, at the outside. He's looking at the inside. Was this man really willing to change? He wanted to see his heart condition. And your breakthrough begins when your excuses end. Your change comes when your excuses end. So Jesus stepped right over his excuses and he's stepping over yours this morning to make a change. He's stepping over those things that you say, well, I can't do this or this is too hard. He's stepping over those and he's going to ask you, do you want to be made well? Change doesn't come when your circumstances change, but when you say, yes, I'm willing to change. Create in me a clean heart. And here's the thing, that his circumstances were not ideal, and everything that the man said was true. But what was he willing to do to get to that breakthrough? What was he willing to do to get to that healing pool? What was he willing to do to become changed? We have to ask God, do a work in me. We have to stop looking at everybody else around us and say, God, change me in our marriages. We want to blame the other person for why we are the way that we are or you just got underneath my skin. We need to stop pointing the fingers outward and start pointing at the finger that goes inward because it starts with us. And I've had to learn that in marriage, that the issue is not him. It's me. And if I want to see something change in my marriage, it's because of me. That I have to be the one to start changing the way that I see my marriage and the way I see him. I have to be the one to start the change. I love this quote. Most people never become who they want to become because they are stuck in who they have always been. So point one, when crisis comes, do you give up and blame others? So the second person I want to look at is in 2 Kings 5, Naaman. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. And the word valiant really stuck, stuck out to me. And so I looked it up and it said, possessing or showing courage or determination. Other words are worthy, excellent, bold, and heroic. So if we look at this man in today's, if we put him in today's society, he would be a celebrity, he'd be a CEO of a company. And when I, when I really read this last part, it showed me that no matter what walk of life that you come from, we all have struggles. We all have crisis in our life. Verse 2 now bands of ra- uh, raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went out, went to his master and told him what the little girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talons of silver, six 1,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. Now, when we look at the story, Naaman was pretty much willing to try everything. It was a desperate disease, and a desperate disease calls for a desperate measure. So he goes and gets permission from the king, and he heads off to see the prophet. And so he, he heads off, based upon the faith of this little girl. It wasn't his faith that brought him on this journey. It was the faith of the little girl, and it was out of desperation that he made this journey. And sometimes we try to change because we, people tell us that we need to change, or sometimes we try to change um, because we want to hold on to a job or we want to hold on to a relationship or we want to hold on to a status. But here's the thing, it's hard to change when your heart doesn't want to change along with it. Verse seven, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God, can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send somebody to, uh, to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent a message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent out a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. (laughs) So he arrives with this huge entourage, with all of his gifts, all of his money, and the so-called prophet wouldn't even come out to him. So, here's what happened. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Are there not the rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've been in this very same situation. I want to let you into a little secret I have issues (laughs) I have crisis that come into my life unexpected and I have struggles as well and so there's somebody that speaks into my life and they said "Um, if you just do this you'll receive your healing (laughs) I'm not gonna tell you what it is but I laughed and I said well that doesn't make sense it's actually kind of stupid and I probably said that. It's, that's stupid, and I don't get it. And God spoke that to you, but he didn't speak that to me. So I really don't know if this is going to work, and I really don't know if I want to do this. And she kind of just put up her hands and whatever, you know. But here's the thing. That was my pride speaking. And I didn't like the way that the change was going to come. I didn't want to actually have to put in effort. And like Naaman, I wanted God, and I still want God in areas of my life, to take his hand, to wave it over me, and to make it all better. But here's the thing, God doesn't always do that. Sometimes he does, because he is a God of miracles. But most of the time, he does not do that in our life. So verse 13, Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? I'm going to stop there. It's so important that you have people speaking into your life, that you are around the right company to tell you, hey, you got an issue, and let's work on this. We need those people in our life. doesn't mean that we're always going to respond the best way to them, but at least you need to surround yourself with people that are of a sound mind and reasoning and maybe take heed of areas that you might need to change in. Verse 14, so he went down, praise God, and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Here's the thing with this story. We have to be willing to let down our pride let go of some things because change is not going to come unless we let go and God doesn't always do things the way that we think he should do them right Right. so this morning are you willing to lay down your pride pick up faith and find healing so point number two when crisis comes do you become angry and prideful so my last story today is a very famous story when God wrestles um, with Jacob, Genesis 32, 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of whatever that is. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. After he had sent them across the stream he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. This key right there. He was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of of Jacob's hips so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. So when we look at this, Jacob is minding his own business. He sent his family across the stream. He sent his possessions. Now he was alone. And all of a sudden, this guy comes out of nowhere. It's dark, I want you, it's dark. So all of a sudden, this man comes out of nowhere, totally sidesweeps him, and starts to wrestle with him. And I don't know if any of you watch uh, wrestling, but this was the real wrestling. This was not the fake wrestling that we see on TV. So there's two ways to win in wrestling, right? The first way is to pin them, or the second way is submission. And have you ever felt like God was wrestling with you, and that he wasn't going to stop until you're like, "Ah, oh, stop. I quit. I give up. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. We're just like, okay, God, enough. I'm done. I can't take it anymore. And we totally understand when the when the enemy is fighting us, when the devil is fighting us, there's a whole other story when we feel like God is wrestling with us. We know that God could just snap his fingers and make everything better, but he didn't. So Jacob says, basically, to God, uh, you're going to bless me, <laughs> and I am not going to let you go until you bless me. And basically, you're, not gonna let, you're just not going to beat me, leave me here, I'm going to get something from you. Jacob was so determined to be persistent because he wanted his answer. He wanted his blessing. He wanted his change. And a lot of the time when it comes to our problems, we want them just to go away. We don't want to have to deal with them. We just, we just want to have blessing and we don't want to have problems. But here's the thing. When we don't have those things, when we don't have crisis, when we don't have change, it will never make us who we were created to be. We have to show God that we are willing to be committed even when it's hard. I think today it's okay if you're struggling, it's okay if you have crisis, it's okay um, that you don't have all the answers. But here's the thing just like that song said, don't give up, Why? Why? keep fighting. Keep struggling. When God brings crisis into our life, it gets our attention, but he doesn't resolve it right away. It does take time. And we sometimes question, why, God? Why, why does it have to take time? Why do I have to struggle through this? Why do you need me to put in effort? Why do, you have, why do I have to keep fighting? I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels and I never, I just can't get there. I take five steps forward and 20 steps back. And if God resolved those things in our life quickly, then the change wouldn't last. God wants to see that we're committed and that we mean business. God wanted to see if Jacob was really serious about making a change or was he just all talk? Do you just want to come here on a Sunday morning Hear a nice song, hear a good sermon, and then just leave and then just expect God to change your life. There's a lot of people that think that. They just, I'm good, I can just come to church, I can just praise God, and then I can just live my life however I want to live my life. You have to practice what you've been taught on Sunday mornings from our pastors. Take what you've been taught and put it into practice on Monday, and see what God does in your life. Pam, you can come up, the band can come up. And that's how a short-term thing becomes a long-term thing, when we're willing to struggle through those areas. God wants to see how committed that you are to fighting for the answer. It's not easy, but you have to continue to fight and struggle for the answer. And there are many people that God brought crisis into their life and they understood that they needed to change. But here's the thing, they weren't persistent enough. God gave Jacob a, a way out. He said, all right, let me, let me go, it's daybreak. But Jacob was persistent. He said, mm not until you bless me. So many people gave up too soon And they missed out on God's blessing. Just like that man at the pool of Bethesda, he gave up too soon and he missed out on 38 years of his life. Now, did God heal him? Of course. And he said, Do not go on sinning any longer, thus, something might come worse. I'm really good at, at starting projects, <laughs> but I'm really bad at finishing them. That's how most of us are. We're really good at starting the race. We're really good after we leave church. We're so pumped up. We're, we're ready for the things of God. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday come. And then, oh, we're back. Some of us have been praying for things in our life. Maybe you've prayed for like a week and you're like, "Oh, it's not working." It's just not working, God, I tried. I tried to do this and I'm I'm talking to myself. "Oh, I tried to do this. It's just too hard. I can't. I can't do it." But here's the thing, it doesn't go in a, it doesn't go away in a week. I've dealt with issues for almost half my life. You think one week of prayer is gonna change it? It could. <laughs> but a lot of the time it doesn't. God is not a microwave oven God. Here's the thing with the microwave, right? You put in, you put in something and a lot of the time the outside gets really hot, but the inside doesn't get very hot, especially if you're cooking like a lasagna or something. But man, when you put it in that oven and it cooks at the same temperature, it's a total difference, right? That's why he puts us through the refining fire, because he sees something in us. He sees what we can be. And you don't have to just accept, I've always been this way. I'm never going to change. I can't change. I can't win. God just has it out for me i've been there i just can't change and i told garrett i'm like honey i don't know if i can change but if i can change will you continue to encourage me say you can do it what a little bit of encouragement from somebody that you care about can go a long way i love this scripture for so many reasons galatians 6 9 says let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time not at our time at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up we will reap a harvest but that means that you have to plant and you have to sow not that god is going to do all this for you but reaping and sowing and putting in action and toiling day in and day day in and day out. So it's okay if you're struggling with something, but you don't have to stay there. You can change. You can make progress. Wrestle with God and don't let go of him until you find your answer, until you know what you need to change in your life. Your problem is not too much for God. He's just saying, come to me. So many times we are waiting for God to come down when God is just waiting for us to come up. So when crisis comes into your life, you first need to put in effort. You second need to lay down your pride. And third, you have to struggle through. It's okay to struggle. The struggle is real. It is real. We all struggle with something or another. It doesn't mean that you have to be that way for the rest of your life. It's right around the corner, it's right there. Just don't give up.